Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. I want to ask you to turn your Bibles this morning over to Luke chapter 2. And uh, we have continued in this uh, character study that we've been going through for the last couple weeks now. And uh, last week we learned from Mary how to rightly handle God's grace. Uh, The week before we learned from Joseph how to handle adversity. And uh, again, I want to think about a little bit what we looked at last week in learning from Mary how to rightly handle God's grace. Uh, The first thing that we saw was that we are to stay absolutely submitted. Absolutely submitted, handling God's grace. When things don't go our way, stay absolutely submitted. Uh, When our lives get turned upside down, stay absolutely submitted. When our plans are divinely interrupted, stay absolutely submitted. Um, Again, and and if we live live our lives in a way that's shining a light in this dark world and we face ridicule, uh, we go through, again, trials and persecution, or maybe it's just struggles and difficulties, We are to stay absolutely submitted because God has given us his grace. And uh, again, it's a a very important point that we learned from her. The second thing that we learned from Mary last week is to sincerely adore the Savior. Uh, We only have a certain amount of time to worship him here. Now, we realize that if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we're going to go into eternity and we're going to be with God for all of eternity and we're going to be worshiping him there. However... Right now, on this earth, in these earthen vessels, we have a short amount of time to sincerely pour out our lives and worship to Him. And so, again, we need to take advantage of that time and realize that the eternal things of this life matter even now. Eternal things matter now. We think, well, I'll deal with all of the eternal things later when I get to heaven. No, we should be dealing with them now uh, because, again, those things carry over into eternity Um, A lot of things that we strive for now, put so much effort into, are temporal, and they're going to end. As soon as our life ends, it's over, gone. Uh, But the eternal things, again, go on for eternity. The third thing we learned from her in handling grace rightly was to share abroad our salvation. We've been given the grace of God, and in that, not only should we stay absolutely submitted and sincerely adore the Savior while we have time, but we should share abroad our salvation. Not because of anything else. But because, again, God has given us his grace. And, uh, you know, I want to think back on what we looked at last week, Mary's outward appearance. Uh, As she was saying that she was pregnant with the Messiah, as the months ticked on, of course, she would begin to show outwardly. And so what she was saying began to match the way that she lived outwardly. And that was, again, a little illustration for us that if we have the Savior inside of us, that not only our mouth should say that we have that, but our outward appearance should look like that as well. We should look like we are following Jesus Christ. Not just expecting people to know, well, they should know I'm a Christian, I go to church. There's a lot of people that go to church that aren't Christians. Um, and so it's not just about that. We should be sharing with them Jesus Christ, this special gift that God has given to us. And so, again, this week we're going to move on to some characters. If you see in your notes, Uh, It's not just one character we're going to look at. We're going to look at the shepherds. And uh, I want you to think about this. These these men were involved in the Christmas story. And they're in uh, most nativity scenes. They are, uh, again, a part of the Christmas story. We we, we hear about them all the time. 
But again, think about this right here. We don't know those shepherds' names. Think about that. We have heard the Christmas story, many of us, our entire lives. It's been in God's word for 2,000 years. And these men are part of it. Part of the, the incarnation of, of Almighty God. The, the, we're going to learn this morning from them. And yet we don't know their names. And say, so, well, what's the big deal about that? There are so many nameless people all throughout Scripture that God has used. That God uh, you know, we, we, we learn from. Think, think about the, the, the blind man uh, on the side of the road laid at the, at the beggar's gate. Think about uh, the woman at the well. We don't know their names. Uh, we go on and on and on and on and on. But all these people that God has used in Scripture and all these people uh, that, that we know about that maybe serve as examples for us and teach us things, but we don't know their names. And say, okay. What's the big deal? It should be a great encouragement to us. This morning, if we look at this, we should realize I don't have to be prominent. I don't have to be famous. I don't have to be known. Nobody has to know my name. I don't have to get credit. I don't, none of those things matter. What matters is, is how I fit into God's plan. It's how, I, I, how God works in my life and how I submit to him and allow him to work through my life. Again, so many, so many times we think in, in, in man's terms, in this earth's terms, we think, well, if I'm going to do something for God, for God I've got to have this position, or I've got to lead this ministry, or I've got to do this, and it, it's not that at all. It's about us simply saying, God, I'm yielded to you. Work in my life and use me however you want me to, to be used. I don't have to be known. Nobody has to pat me on the back. I just want to be used. When I was 10 years old, we lived in Connecticut, and uh, my dad uh, was uh, laying brick, and so we moved up there for a little bit. And uh, we went to an independent Baptist church up there, and they had a school, and it was there that I, I ended up getting saved. Now, we had been raised in church, and when I was four years old, I had said a prayer. Uh, my brothers had, had done this. My parents had done that. We'd gone to church, and, and I wanted to do that. And so, uh, you know, I went through the motions of that, but uh, at the time, I, I didn't realize and understand what it meant to surrender my life, to truly trust Jesus Christ. And so when I was 10, I was there, and I remember uh, sitting through church services. I remember sitting through uh, chapel services that we'd have every week in this Christian school, similar to what our Christian school is. And um, I remember on one Friday, I, I heard, heard the gospel, and he was challenging us that if you're not for sure 100% that when you die, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Just raise your hand. You know, I, just, I want to pray for you. I want to give you an opportunity to respond at this moment. And, and week after week, I had been convicted. And week after week, I had uh, struggled with, I don't know that I'm saved. I had become best friends with the pastor's oldest son. And, and, and what would he think? And what would the people that were going to school think? And what would even my, my parents and what would everybody think that I was supposed to be saved when I was four, but, but I was struggling with the fact that I wasn't saved. And, and, uh, and so at 10 years old, I threw all that to the side, and I raised my hand and said, I surrender all. I, I, I want to trust Jesus Christ. I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what happens. I just I want to know that Jesus Christ is in my life and that I'm going to heaven. And, uh, and so I did that, and uh, my life was changed. Uh, it wasn't perfect. It hasn't been perfect, but I, I know from that day uh, that I was born again. And I share all that because there were 
several people in my life, even at that place, long time ago, that had a major impact on my life for eternity. Even the gentleman that was involved in the school teaching and doing the chapels, I have no idea what his name is. Now, I could probably ask, uh, you know, maybe my brothers or, or my parents or even do some digging and find out who that person was. But to me right now, he's nameless. I just remember he was a servant that was faithful to teach and preach the word of God, to give the gospel, to pour his life out in service for the Lord, and it impacted my life. And so again, that man to me and others involved in, in my life uh, in, in that time had a huge impact in uh, me, me getting saved. And again, for all of eternity. And again, I, I want to share that because that's the story of our life sometimes. N nobody may remember me. They might not remember you. They might not remember that Sunday school teacher or that church member that sat beside them uh, in, in a church service. Or uh, maybe it's that child that uh, is greatly impacted by you or another adult. We may never know that until eternity. But just making ourselves available and usable of God is a major thing. These shepherds were nameless. And we're going to learn some important things from them this morning. So let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity to open your word. Thank you for um, just the, the blessings that we have, the freedom, uh, the grace that you've poured out in our lives, uh, just the, the, the great just privilege it is to be able to have your word, to learn from you, Lord, to be uh, taught, convicted, challenged, whatever is necessary in our lives. We're, th we're thankful that this morning we get to gather as a church and experience that. And I pray that you would just use me as a vessel uh, to preach the message that you want preached. And God, that each one of us would take from this what we need. Lord, if there's someone here that is lost, maybe they have gone through the motions in their life before. Maybe they thought they were going to heaven uh, at some point in time uh, because of a prayer they prayed, similar to me. Lord, I, I pray if anyone's like that or if someone's never heard the gospel before, I pray this morning they would realize that there's only a short amount of days that we have on this earth. There's only a short amount of time that we have to make that decision to either truly surrender our lives to Christ or not. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would move in a special way uh, in all these areas and that you would be glorified through it all. Lord, we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, is where we're going to uh, look at. Verse 8, it says this, And there were in the same uh, country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, what an amazing thought this is, too. You say, what, that the shepherds were in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night? Yes, it's amazing thought, because I want you to go with me on this. These shepherds were in the, um, the country, if you will, of Bethlehem. And this, this country, this countryside where, these, uh, where they were, was where they kept or where they raised the Passover lambs. Think about this. These shepherds were in this field watching potentially the lambs that were being raised to be sacrificed at Passover. And what's the big deal about that? Jesus Christ is our Passover, the Bible says. He is the culmination of what the Passover was all about. If you remember, some of you, you many of you probably already know this, some of you don't, but the Jews, they were in, in Egypt and they were being held captive, or they were enslaved in bondage there, and God was going to deliver them. Well, the way that they were going to be delivered was through the Passover. 
They had to have the, the blood of a, of, a, of a lamb on the doorpost. They had to uh, be behind that blood. And it had to be because they were trusting God to do it his way. Think about that. I mean, if you've been a slave, if you've been in bondage for 400 years, and you, you, you've, you've been there, and, and that's the only life that you've ever known, and all of a sudden, you're told you need to put door, uh, blood on your doorpost, and you're going to be delivered from death. The, 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 the rational, the natural man's mind, you're thinking, how's that going to save us from death? You know, what it had to be was mankind trusting God's word on what would save him. The same way it is today. We have to trust God at his word for us to save, for, for, for him to save us. And so these Passover lambs, again, were uh, foreshadowing, if you will, the Passover lamb. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that was come to this earth to be the sacrifice, to pay for, shed his blood for all mankind. So again, the connection to me is so neat that these, these shepherds were out in the field, nameless shepherds, doing their job, serving the, the Lord even, and raising these Passover lambs. And the angel of the Lord shows up. Let's see what happens. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Again, I, I try to put myself in their shoes. And I can imagine that they were absolutely filled with fear. I mean, put yourself in that situation. Uh, many of you have seen what it looks like on uh, a, a starry night, a, a beautiful night. There's no, not any clouds and, and uh, it, there's not lights again like there is in the city. And you're just out in the country and it's beautiful. I was out there uh, a couple weeks ago in the country and... and uh, I just at one point in time stopped and I, I just looked up and it looked like we were being lit up by all the stars that were so bright out there. And it was just, it was captivating. I was thinking, man, this is beautiful. Look how beautiful of a night it is. And, and I can imagine maybe the, the, the shepherds were there watching their, 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 their lambs and, and talking and, and maybe just looking at, at God's creation. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up and the glory of God shines all around them. This brilliant, radiant light just completely illuminates all around them. And this, no doubt in my mind, they were, they were really afraid. I would be really afraid. I, I've never, like I said uh, last week, I've never seen an angel, and, I, and I've never seen the radiant glory of God like that in my life. And so I would be just like those shepherds. I want you to think about this too. We've seen so far two angels in this Christmas story. We've seen the angel of the Lord, and we've seen Gabriel. Gabriel is the, the chosen vessel of God uh, that has been used throughout history to pronounce different prophecies. Uh, he came to Daniel. Uh, we know that he announced certain things concerning that. He came to Zechariah, uh, declaring the forerunner of Jesus Christ's birth uh, to John the Baptist's dad, and now uh, we know he appeared to Mary, and, and then we look at the angel of the Lord appearing also to the shepherds uh, aside from Joseph. These angels have come on the scene and prepared the way for what God is doing and what God is going to do. And you say, what's the big deal about that as well? I love how God always does that for people. I love how God always prepares the way for what he's doing. He loves us enough to forewarn us, to foretell for us what we need to be prepared for. That's the point of us proclaiming the gospel message to a world right now. It was an angel then, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds we'll see, all proclaim the birth. But you and I today, the church, 
are the chosen vessel of God to proclaim, to prepare the way of the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are the messengers. I want you to imagine if the people involved in the Christmas story had never been given a heads up. Think about if Mary had never received that, that, that heads up from Gabriel. Think about if Joseph never was visited by the angel of the Lord. Think about these things. Think if the shepherds never had received that message that the Messiah had come. We'll see the importance of that in just a second. But God gave each of these people a heads up. I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to do something through your life. And so God's never shown up to me like that. Yes, he has. All through his word, he's shown up and done that. God has, has, has given to you specifically, and he's given to you generally, a really big heads up on what he wants to do in your life, what he wants to do through your life, and what he's going to do in the days to come. God has given us all that. And so again, I love how God always gives us uh, a heads up. But if you think about these people that got this, uh, these messages, if they never got these messages before Jesus Christ came, emotionally, mentally, even spiritually, they would have never been prepared for what was go going to happen in their life. Remember we talked about Joseph, his adversity, Mary even being mocked, you know, yeah, of course, of course the, the Holy Ghost uh, came upon you. Of course, it's, you didn't have any relationship with Joseph before you were married. Sure, Mary, we believe you. Imagine if they had never been prepared by God before the trials. Think about this. Sometimes we look at the trials and the struggles that we go through in this life, and we think, this isn't good. Why, God? Why me? Why did this bad thing have to happen to me? Why, why am I having to go through this? When God sometimes is using those struggles and trials to mentally, spiritually, emotionally prepare us for what's ahead. Think about that again. If Mary and Joseph, if, if the shepherds, if these people hadn't been given a heads up by God through the struggles they were going through at the time, they wouldn't have been able to handle what, what was coming in the days ahead. And so again, we see God always preparing a way for us. Look at it again, these uh, nameless shepherds again, watching these lambs get this revelation from the angel of the Lord that the Messiah is coming. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, there's no reason to fear, because I bring you good tidings. That, that, it, that word right there is good news. It's the same exact word that we see in the gospel uh, in, in the word of God for gospel. So he says, I bring you the gospel that brings great joy, which shall be to all people. This good news that the angel was bringing to them says was going to be the, the, the source of great joy. And I want you to look what the scripture just said too. For all people. This is good news that's going to produce great joy for all people. It's, it's for everybody. It's, it's, it's for for every single person, this good news brings great joy. But the reality we know today in 2017 is that the news of Jesus Christ doesn't bring great joy to a lot of people. We try to talk to them about Jesus Christ, you try to share, try to invite them to church, whatever the case may be. And a lot of times people don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And because they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, they miss the great joy that's found in Jesus alone. I want to submit many times the reason why they don't want to hear about Jesus is because those who claim to have Jesus 
aren't being the light they're supposed to be for those people. And people look at, well, if, if, if you have Jesus in your heart, you don't seem like every day that you have great joy. <laughs> Why would I want Jesus? You say that Jesus brings joy. Why would I want that Jesus? Because you don't look like you're full of joy. Amen. Again, maybe it's the people that we work with. Maybe it's our, our neighbors. Maybe it's our, our, our family members. And, and, and every time they hear us or every time they see us, we, we're, we're negative and we're down and, 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 and we're not living a life full of joy and, and the next time that we, or maybe it's on, even on the flip side, maybe it's dark and bad and, and, and ugly. And so when we try to talk about Jesus and sh- say, hey, you need Jesus before you leave this life, or you're going to go to hell. They're saying, look, if that's what Jesus gives to me, I don't want that Jesus. Amen. That looks ugly, black and dark, not joyful. I'm more happy now without your Jesus than it looks like I would be with him. So we have to remember that as the messengers, these, these, these angels came to these shepherds and they had the glory of God shining all around them. They, they were bringing this good news. It was, a, it was a big deal. And again, it should be a representation of how the good news comes from us. It should be radiating from us. I'm bringing you good, good, good tidings of great joy. We know the enemy's blind to the minds of those that are in darkness in the world today, and that's the main reason why they don't see Jesus as a need or they don't want to have anything to do with him. As I said, Christians aren't shining the light that we were supposed to be shining, so they're not seeing Jesus for who he really is and what he can really give. I want to ask you this this morning. When's the last time that you shared with joy the gift of Jesus Christ with someone? I said, I, I don't want to talk about it. No, listen, this is the greatest news. This is the source of the greatest joy. For anyone to have that in this life, they've got to have Jesus Christ. And when's the last time that we shared with somebody, I've got a gift that I can't contain. I've got a gift that's illuminated my life, that brings so much joy to my life. And I've got to share him with you. Because if, if, if I don't share him with you, then you're going to leave this life in darkness and you're going to spend eternity in that same darkness and people try to find joy in so many other things in this world today so many other and we know that they end up coming short i I, i've preached messages before where i've gone down the list of of whether it be you know actors or actresses or singers or or sports figures and people that make it to the pinnacle of their respected areas and then in financial, in financial areas and, and in fame areas. And, and they end up taking their own life. They end up captivated in addiction because they, they, they have sought after these things, these things that they think are going to bring them joy, whether it be money or fame or, or, or whatever. The, the, the uh, get to do what they want to do, a profession they want to do in this life. They, they get to those places and they realize it doesn't really bring me joy. I've got to make more money. I've got to become more famous. I've got to work more. It's never ending. Amen. For some people, it's friends. It's, I, I, I want to have more friends. I want to, I want to be around my friends. It's entertainment. It's stuff. 
but people seek after these things in this world, we can be caught up in this, this, this pursuit of emptiness. Activities, hobbies, again, things that can only bring temporal highs. But nothing can bring the joy that God gives. This eternal life, this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his peace, his joy that only he gives is all eternal. It's e- and it's an ab- a- abiding joy. It's an abiding peace regardless of circumstance or regardless of temporal sway. If I have a relationship with God, if I've accepted Jesus Christ, if, if he's invaded my life and, and I have him in my life, then there's nothing that can touch the peace and the joy of God if I abide in that. No temporal circumstance, no temporal trial, no struggle can touch those things. But if I'm in pursuit of, uh, of all these other temporal things, anything temporal can knock me off those temporal highs. Any temporal struggle, difficulty, trial, it can all knock me off of the temporal highs if that's what I'm pursuing. But the angel tells these shepherds, look, I'm bringing good news that's a source of great joy, and it's going to be for all people. And so he begins to explain who or what the source of this great joy is going uh, to be in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is, Je- uh, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth goodwill towards men. And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from, from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And look at verse 16. And they came with haste. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I want you to notice there in, in the story that the angels didn't receive this good news and turn to each other and say, oh, that's pretty cool. Maybe we'll go see it one day. Maybe we'll go check it out one day. Maybe next week when we don't have to, to, to care over these, these, these sheep so much, maybe we get some time off and we can each go at a different time. It, it, it doesn't say that. The Bible says that they, as soon as they heard the news, they said, we've got to go now. This is great news. This isn't just good news. We've got to go now to see this thing. This is an amazing thing. Notice, too, that they didn't think that their business was more important than this news. Did you get that? They didn't think what they were doing was more important than this good news that they just received. Think about it again. What they were occupied with, even if it was a good thing, wasn't more important to them than this good news of Jesus Christ. They stopped everything. It was so good. It was so important. It, 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 was, it was so life-altering, this good news, this great joy that was produced from, from the Savior that had come. It caused them to stop and leave everything. They said, nothing's more important. In that moment, they heard that good news In that moment, they said, nothing's more important than going to see our Savior. Nothing. 
But what if we lose our job? What if, what, what if they hire other shepherds? What if, what if these lambs run away? What if, what if all, all these bad things? In, there, in that moment, nothing mattered but getting to Jesus. And so this morning, I want to see three things that we can learn from these shepherds, these nameless shepherds. Again, learning, learning these lessons, I think, is important. The first thing is this. After hearing about Jesus, run to Jesus. After hearing about Jesus, run to Jesus. So I, I've done that. I, I've got saved. I, I, I've received the gospel, and I, and I ran to Jesus. Listen, I'm not the angel of the Lord. I'm far from it. But I am a messenger saying this morning that Jesus Christ has come to save the world. He's the only way of salvation. There's not an angelic host singing around me. But I'm telling you, the news is just as good and just as important. Just as powerful now as it was then. It's, it's just as, as important now as it was then. That God loves you enough. That he loves me enough. That he would come down to this earth. That, that his solution to our problem, our sin problem, was to clothe himself in flesh that he created. To live a sinless life, to be able to be that spotless, sinless lamb that would be slain for all of our sins, to shed blood. Because the Bible says without, remission, without shedding of blood, there's no remission, there's no forgiveness of sin. To be put in the ground three days later, rise again, again, to be the only way to the Father. There's no other way except for through Jesus. These shepherds, I believe, understood that when he said, today... In the city of David, a Savior's born. A Savior has come, and he's born. Again, nothing else or no one else can pay for sins. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should, uh, could, take away the, this, uh, could take away sins. Again, it's talking about lambs. It's talking about those sacrificial lambs that, that would, would be uh, presented. Think about this. Why cannot the blood of bulls and goats give life ultimately? Because life can only be given by the life giver. So the life giver himself, to have the solution for death, had to shed his blood, because the Bible says that life is in the blood. His blood, perfect, sinless blood, the life giver, had to shed that blood to be the payment to take away death, to deal with sin. And so he says it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can do it. It's, it's never possible. There had to be one sacrifice, and it goes on to say that in verse 10, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. One time, that's it. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. If we skip down to verse 16, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with him. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law, laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering of sin. He said, listen, once, the, once sins are forgiven, ultimately, there's no more need for a, a, an offering of sacrifice, a, a sacrifice offering. Jesus Christ was that for us. See, these shepherds were busy doing their jobs. Again, they were in that field. They were in normal lives. Much like we get in to tomorrow, it, it, you know, I know that school's out for many kids, and so it maybe changes for some, 
from, for some kids and parents, maybe grandparents. But tomorrow, we, if the Lord willing, we're going to get up and we're going to start another work week just like it was. They were there on a normal work week just doing their job. But when they heard the good news of Jesus Christ, their lives was changed. Nothing was going to stop them from meeting with Jesus. Nothing was going to keep them on that, in that field watching their flocks. Meeting with the Messiah was more important than their job. The Savior was sent to rescue them from judgment. The Savior was sent to save them from evil. He was here, and they could meet him. The Savior that, that came to the earth to pay for their sins, to die in their place, to take, to take away all of the judgment, all of, all of the, the condemnation that was existing on their head, that Savior had come to the earth. And again, they had the opportunity to go to him. And so they ran to him. Again, nothing was going to be more important to them that night or any other day moving forward, I believe, than to meet with Jesus. And so if you've never run to Jesus, if you've never said, you know what, I I'm going to put my faith in him. I want him to forgive my sins. I want his blood that he shed to be applied in my life to take away all of my sins. And I'll, again, I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, don't wait. Do it today. In a minute when the service is over, you can come down here. Somebody can show you in God's word uh, the Romans road and show you all these things, what it takes to be a child of God, to know that you're going to heaven when you die. And I'm encouraging you to run. Don't wait. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't, don't do like we said hypothetically the shepherds could have done, sat there on the field and thought, oh, that's pretty cool, maybe next week. Don't do that. Today is the day of salvation. Run to Jesus. He came to save you from your sins. But for those of us who have, you say, I've ran to Jesus, I said a while ago. I, I've done that. I did that when I was 10. I did that last year. I did that 50 years ago. I did that 15 years ago. Then note this in your notes. Our excitement to meet with him should rival the time before. Our excitement to meet with him should rival the time before. And I have to say that the Lord convicted me in this. We should, we should never get to a place where the next time we get to meet Jesus isn't more exciting than the time before. Why? Because we've met with him. We're going to see in just a second what their response was once they had met the Savior, what they did. I mean, there, there was something produced from them meeting the Savior. And for us who have, who have met him, for those of us who have come and accepted him as our Savior, accepted the blood that he shed uh, to be uh, applied on our account, those of us who have been saved, our excitement to meet with him, every time we get to meet with him, should rival the time before. I say, what are you, what are you talking about specifically? Whether it's privately like Mary and Joseph have, or whether it's corporately, publicly, like they experienced once the shepherds came. Each next time we get to meet with him should grow in excitement, should grow in joy. But here's the, here's the, the caveat, here's the disclaimer. If it's him that we've truly come to meet with, 
And see, that's where I think that we miss. Even, even in our public worship, even in our private time, so many times it, 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 we, we, we have, we've made it about ourselves. I mean, we don't see the shepherds saying, oh, you, know, uh, they, they don't, you know, they weren't concerned about themselves. They weren't concerned about, well, I mean, where is he going to be? Once they got to, the, once they got to the, uh, the, the inn and there was no place there, and they realized that he was in this, this, uh, this manger, Oh, we don't want to meet there. We don't want to meet Jesus there like that. They were concerned about getting to Jesus. It was about Jesus. It was about the Savior that had come to the world. Now, maybe they, 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 they did some things different, but I, I'm just saying it was about Jesus. And for us, if we're going to grow in our excitement, each time that we meet with Jesus, it's got to be about him. It can't be about us. It can't be all about others. It's got to be about him. And so, again, whether it's in your private devotion, whether you're going to meet with him tonight, that's when you have your private time with him, or in the, in the morning, or, or in the, the noonday, each time should be more exciting. Tonight, when we gather again in his name, and in, in, in this drama, the gospel is going to be presented, it, it should be more exciting tonight than it was this morning to meet with him and to, to focus on him. Wednesday night, it should continue to grow in our excitement because we get to meet with Jesus again. We get to see him again. And I think we need to be challenged this morning and ask ourselves, is this how I react to meeting with my Savior? Remember what the shepherds were told by the angel? Today, in the city of David, the Savior's born. Your Savior's born. And they ran. They, whoa, our Savior has come. We get to go meet him. Our Savior. Again, in, in our temporal worlds, in our temporal mindset, we lose the impact of an eternal Savior, eternal forgiveness. We get so wrapped up in, in all these things in this world and we forget that he is our Savior. He has saved us from our sins. He has saved us from judgment. He, everything to us. He should mean everything to us. That's why the shepherds dropped everything. That's why the shepherds ran and made haste to go meet him. Because the angel said, your Savior has come. You can go meet him. And for us, it should be, I get to meet with my Savior. Not, not the president, not, not somebody really important, not somebody that, that's, even, uh, that, that's, that's helped me in my life before. No, my Savior who's rescued me, who took me from the grips of sin that was dragging me to a hell for all of eternity. My Savior who rescued me. I get to meet with him. Every time we get to meet with him, it should be more exciting than the time before. Is this how I react to meeting my Savior? If not, then I think that we've lost sight of who he is and what he's done and what he's promised. And we're all susceptible to that. Whether we got up this morning, there was distractions, and, and we forgot that today we were coming to actually meet with our Savior. We lost sight of that or lost sight of the fact that he died on a cross, shed his blood, the only blood that could take away our sins. And he did it because he loved us. Or whatever the case may be, but it should be. It's who he is. That's why it should stir our excitement every time we get to meet with him. Let's look on in verse 17. And when they had seen it, 
They made known abroad the saying which was told unto them concerning this child. They, they proclaimed the good news that was proclaimed to them. And once they'd met Jesus, once they had seen their Savior, once they had embraced him, once they had experienced Jesus Christ, they had to make known what was told to them, the good news concerning him. They had to. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Again, we still don't know their name. We still don't know who these guys are. We just know they were shepherds that left everything to go meet the Savior. And once they met the Savior and embraced him and, 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 and experienced him, they had to tell everybody what they had been told concerning him. Do you get that? Point number two is this. After running to Jesus, relay the gospel. After we hear the good news, we should run to Jesus. And once we run to him and we experience him and have accepted him, we too should relay the gospel. That should be our response. The shepherds couldn't contain it. The Savior who had come to save not only Israel but save the world, it was good news and great joy for all people. They had to get it out. And when the people heard the good news concerning this child, the Bible says that everybody wondered, this is amazing. Their lives had been transformed. Their lives had been altered. This good news riveted people that heard it. And again, I want to go back and, and, and think about why is it not happening like that today? Why is it that those of us who have experienced Jesus Christ and the Savior aren't as excited to share or relay the same good news that radically transformed our lives? Why aren't we doing that? And, and, and with that, I, I think that we're missing people being astonished at this amazing news. Maybe it's because today those of us who said, I've experienced Jesus Christ. My life has been impacted. I've met the Savior. I've embraced him. He's he's invaded my life. I've experienced that. And then we go right back to our sheep in the field. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Without ever sharing what just happened to us. And not only that, we go about our lives and and maybe we begin to dig in the earth and and, and for these temporal treasures and and, and, and all these temporal pursuits. And we do these things and, and we forget we just experienced the greatest experience ever that anybody could ever experience on this earth. That's what happened to the shepherds. That's why they had to relay everything that had just been told to them concerning him. Our lives are changed. We've got good news. We've got a savior. We don't have to worry about judgment anymore. And so they had to rehearse, they had to relay that to everybody they could. And again, in our lives today in 2017 in in, in Christian America, how many Christians, professing Christians, relay that gospel with excitement like we really should? And I'm not talking about a duty. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, well, we have, we have outreach at this church and we meet on Thursday nights. And I'm not talking about that. that, that that's just a, 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 a group time that's exciting that we get to, to do something to get that, that good news out. But in our lives every day, as the opportunity presents itself, relaying this good news, my life has been affected. My life has been changed. I have a Savior. Let me share the good news concerning him to you. 
Why don't we have that same excitement? Why don't, relay the, why don't we relay the gospel the same way the shepherds did? What's different about our lives and our response to meeting the Savior than theirs? Think about that. What's different in our response to meeting the Savior than theirs was? He said, well, they actually saw the baby. Jesus Christ said, when I leave, I'm going to send you the comforter. There's going to be great things done. More than, than I did. His presence is still here. His power is still here. Just because he's not flesh and blood standing before us or lying in a manger doesn't mean it's any less powerful. The experience that someone has with God today, as those shepherds did then, is the same transforming power, the same glory can shine in our lives as it did on those shepherds that day. And it does. But why do we not relay like they do? Mary, verse 19, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. But the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all, listen, for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Again, we know Mary's response was different at this time. It doesn't mean that she didn't share the good news. Again, last week we saw that she did. That was one of the things that we saw, how she handled the grace that was given to her. But the shepherds, again, think about this, who were to return to real life, real life, those shepherds couldn't help but relay the good news. It says that they returned. What does that mean? I mean, someone comes and experiences Jesus Christ today, and, and their life has changed, and they go to lunch, and, and they're saved. The weight of the world is off of them. All their sins are forgiven. They know they're going to heaven. Today, an amazing day. Uh, maybe they come back tonight and have this drama, and, and their life is just full of joy because they're saved, and they're forgiven, and they experience Jesus. And tomorrow morning, they've got to wake up at 6 or 7 or 5 or whatever and go back to real life. Back to their jobs, back to the busyness. That's what these shepherds did. They went back to, good, to, to real life, but they couldn't help but relay the good news as they were returning. And I want to ask again, when you, if you've already experienced Jesus Christ, his, he's radically transformed your life, is that you? In your real life, in your normal life, can you not help but relaying such amazing good news? It does produce great joy. When you trust Christ, when you surrender all to Him, accepting Him as the sacrifice for your sin, knowing that heaven will be your forever home, those things, you're transformed, you're compelled to share Him. That's just the truth. That's the response. My life has changed. My life is different. There's nothing more exciting, nothing comparable to encountering Jesus Christ. And on the back side of this, as we get ready to close, there's nothing to compare. Once you've done that, with sharing the gospel with someone else. When, when, when you've experienced Jesus Christ, your life has been transformed, there's nothing that compares to sharing the gospel with someone after that. Those shepherds found joy in sharing the good news as they had seen and experienced and heard everything. The Bible says that they praise God. That's what, that's what happens 
when our lives are transformed. That's what happens when we relay the gospel. Last point is, after relaying the gospel, return the praise. After relaying the gospel, return the praise. Again, our lives, if we've been radically impacted by the Savior of the world, if, 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 if we've been impacted by God in the flesh, Jesus, our Savior, if that's us, then we have got to proclaim what He's done. I believe that we, we can't help but proclaim it once our lives have been impacted. Again, it's a supernatural response. These shepherds had, I believe we have. We can't contain because we have a new birth. We're a new person. We're now invaded by God himself. An encounter with the divine one. These shepherds, we read, they, they didn't return saying to each other, eh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, they didn't encounter Jesus Christ and say, well, wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. You know? <laughs> Their lives were absolutely changed. They didn't, they didn't leave that encounter and say, hey, you going to watch the game later? Hey, you going to watch a movie? Hey, what do, you, what do you think about it? No, their lives were changed. They had met Jesus, the Savior. And they encountered him, and they couldn't help but talk about him and share him and praise him. They were absolutely changed from that point forward. So they returned to their job. They did their job but not like before. It was different. This teaches us several things, but among them as our musicians make their way. You and I have encounters from day to day in real life, in the normal, the normal things. Sometimes it's a star shining. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's like a heavenly host, God showing up and we encounter him uh, again in, in, in amazing ways. Sometimes it's like that, but sometimes it's in the day to day that God's there and we encounter him. But I want to encourage you this morning, let's not miss the work of God and our right response to his hand and our right response to his presence. Because listen, because we're wrapped up in our stuff. The shepherds could have said, look, angel, whoa, hey, it's bright. We've got a job to do out here. They could have missed it. They could have dismissed it. Imagine if the shepherds had disregarded this heavenly message. Think about this, the shepherds. If they would have said, you know what? We're not interested. <laughs> what would they have missed? The question for us this morning is this. What are you going to do with the good news? What have you done with the good news? Has it radically changed your life? Say so, yes. My life has changed. There's no doubt in my mind, Brother Kyle, that, that I am a born-again child of God. I've encountered Jesus Christ. My life is different. No question in my mind. And the question is this. How are you handling the, that good news that you got? How are you, how are you handling the encounter with Christ? What about, as we talked about earlier, what about... As you meet with him each time, privately and corporately, are you more excited to meet him than the time before? You know what? You know what happens? The, 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 the shepherds, they weren't wondering who was going to be there on that day. Well, I wonder if so and so, I don't really like them. I don't, they stink. I don't like their hair, whatever. <laughs> they, they, weren't, they weren't thinking about that. They, they weren't thinking, I wonder if there's going to be farm animals there. 
There were farm animals there. They weren't concerned about who was going to be there or what was going to be there. All they knew is Jesus was there. And so they were going to go meet with Jesus. And nothing kept them back. That should be our excitement. Nothing should keep us back from privately and corporately meeting with our Lord. It's what he's called for. Have we accepted it? Has it changed us? Again, are we sharing it? Have you found the joy in sharing this good news that's brought you great joy? Have you experienced that with sharing it with others? I mean, is that something that the shepherds couldn't contain it? They had to share. Is that, is that our lives? And I, I can't help but share. I, 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 not just Thursday nights. I want to do it all the time. I want to share all the time because this is what has happened in my life. And are we returning the praise to God? Do our lives look like that? Or do we just come in on Sunday mornings and that's the only time that we utter worship to God? Is in a corporate worship setting? Is it, is it the only time that we, we give God praise is, is when we set it aside in a church service? Or do our lives, because of what we've experienced and what we've encountered and what has changed us, do we return the praise for who he is and what he's done. So this morning, I hope that you're challenged. I hope that you say, you know what? I want to be like those nameless shepherds. I've encountered Christ, and, and I want to share this good news with the world. I want to return the praise. I, that's what I want my life to be. I want the time, the next time that I meet with him privately or corporately to be more exciting than the time before. Or again, maybe you're here and you've never encountered Jesus Christ. Maybe you have in a different way. Maybe you, again, said a prayer when you were four like me. Maybe you have gone to church a long time, but you know you've never been radically changed by Jesus Christ. Your life isn't a pattern of following him after encountering him. And I want to invite you to come this morning and say, you know what? I don't want to do it anymore. I want to go Jesus' way. I want to go to heaven when I die. I encourage you to come this morning. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to meet with you, and I thank you for this example we have with these shepherds, Lord. Again, it's been challenging to me, convicting, also encouraging, Lord. Lord, I, I want my life to be uh, responding like they responded all the time. Some people may speculate, well, that didn't last for them. They probably went back to their normal lives and weren't as excited as the time before, and I, we just don't have that in Scripture, so we can't Assume that one way or the other, Lord. All we know is that their lives were changed and they had to share and they praised you. And again, I pray that that's what our lives would look like. And again, if there's someone here that has never been saved, Lord, never truly saved, and I pray that they would come this morning and accept you as their Lord and Savior. And we'll praise you for it. We ask all this in Jesus' name.